Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives in the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you had a good week. First of all, I would just like to start by thanking all of you so much for your kind and open and thoughtful reactions to the conversation I had last week about Zionism and the Real Housewives of New York and Israel, Palestine, and all of it. I truly was anticipating a major backlash and a lot of hurtful comments sent my way, but that didn't happen. And so I am very grateful, especially in this time that we're in with increased anti-Semitism. I'm not sure I could have handled it. <laughs> so so I really, really um, appreciate all of you so much. So before we get into this week's episode with Tane and Aid from Alter Call, I just wanted to share a few quick thoughts on Salt Lake City and Winter House. So The Real House of Salt Lake City, I tried to stay up and watch it on Wednesday night, but I actually fell asleep. And so that's why we didn't cover it in this week's episode so much. I feel like that says something about how the season is going for me, at least. I feel like it's a little bit of a slow start or where this episode may have been a little slow. I also have a pretty big fear of heights and I really hate gondolas. And <laughs> They kept showing the ski gondola and all of them skiing down this mountain and it's just, oh, it's just <laughs> it makes me so anxious. I think there is a little bit too much of Angie H going on, but I'm not sure what else we would have if not for Angie H. You've got Jen Shaw, who is completely either in denial or just ignoring everything going on with her trial when they cheered that it had been postponed as if that was a positive thing that may help her. That was a little confusing. Thank goodness Whitney's at least saying in the confessional what I think most of the audience is thinking, which is this actually gives more time to the prosecution to build a case against you. Honestly, at the beginning of the season, when we knew that Heather and Whitney were going to have a falling out, I had assumed that it would have been about Heather's support for Jen Shaw, right? That's what I thought it would be. I couldn't think of anything else. And To see how it's unfolded has been very confusing to me, and I can only think that they're arguing about something related to the show itself and not what they say they're arguing about. And so when Whitney is saying you didn't have my back, maybe it's because she brought up something that they had agreed to do, but maybe not in that level of detail about the show. I have no idea, but it's really hard for me to make sense of how upset Whitney was with Heather when they were in Arizona. Now, I can understand that she was upset when Heather said, you made everything about you when you shared your story of childhood abuse. I think that was really harsh, and she was just sharing what was going on with her, and I don't think all of them need to stop sharing and stop living their lives just because Jen is going through a hard time. So I felt like that was pretty cold of Heather. But other than that, I mean, I don't know. I don't really understand why there is so much animosity going on between them. 
The one thing that did make me laugh this episode, though, and I don't know why, it is when Lisa Barlow was FaceTiming with her brother, and I don't know why I thought her voice would change when she's talking to family or something, but it didn't at all. And I find her voice to be so entertaining. Like, I I don't know. It's almost like she's putting it on. Like, does she really speak that way all the time? And so when she's talking to her brother and she's like, yeah, it's like so sad that all our siblings are getting divorced. And like, we're the only two left. It's just like, oh my God, what? I just, I don't know. It's hard for me to not think of her as a caricature rather than a real human being. And so... Yeah, it, and and her husband is just always like saying the right things and that also kind of creeps me out. Like, how can I help? Like does every partner always say the right thing in every single situation? No. It just I don't know. Is should she just train him to act that way when the cameras are on or is he always that way? I'm I'm not sure, but they do seem like a very nice couple. In terms of couples heading over to Winterhouse, oh my goodness, I wonder what Paige is thinking watching Winterhouse back and seeing just how awful Craig acted. I mean, I know she was there, but then now to see the audience reaction to it, part of me feels like one of the reasons she chose Craig over Andrea is because Craig is, you know, the darling of Bravo, one of the most popular people on Bravo. And this is her career, and this is his career, and this crossover could help both of them. I do think she really loves him, and she had more of a connection with him than she had with Andrea, but I do feel like Craig's popularity played into it a bit. And I feel like it's taking a pretty big nosedive because he has been an absolute asshole like for the first three episodes. It's just, <laughs> it's just Craig being an asshole. Now, the situation that happened last week between Luke and then Jess and then Craig and all of that, I was happy to see that it played out the way that it did, where Luke took some time to himself to reflect. And when he came back and spoke with Jess, when Jess said, you know what, I actually don't want to hear what you have to say, I feel like I really appreciated him saying, okay, okay. Like, this is your time to t- talk to me. And I I thought what she said was really, like, well stated. And I appreciated that after that, they were able to, like, get up and move forward so that everyone else in the house could also move forward. I had thought that Luke permanently left the winter house and wasn't coming back and also wasn't coming back to summer house because of everything that happened. I think I read some of the blinds like from a few months ago and they had made it seem as if there was a really serious sexual harassment situation involving Luke that I thought like Bravo and NBC Universal HR got involved with. But now it just seems like Craig and Paige maybe like leaked that to make it look worse than what it was. And it wasn't great, right? But it wasn't this horrible something that you couldn't move on from on the show. And speaking of not moving on, I feel like Kyle and Kathy 
are not going to be able to overcome everything that's happened this season. It just, it pains me to say that because they're sisters, but I just feel like fundamentally the way that they handle and process conflict is at like direct odds with one another. Seeing Kyle want to talk it out and talk it out on camera and Kathy vehemently shutting that down it's just, I just don't see a path forward. And I know Kyle didn't see a path forward, which is why she was crying so hard at the end, at the end of the reunion. It was just pretty painful to watch. Well, we're definitely going to get into it in this week's episode. I've got Tane and Aid on from Alter Call. It is a Married at First Sight podcast, but they're also huge Bravo fans. They were at BravoCon, and we get to talk and unpack everything that happened there. So that was super fun. One thing about BravoCon I wanted to mention is that I did hear from a listener that it was not very inclusive to people with disabilities or people who were, you know, using um, assistive devices to get around and that that was pretty disheartening. So I'm hoping that that's something that they change for next year. But overall, I've heard pretty positive things from a lot of you about your experiences at BravoCon, and I am gearing up for 2023. I'm finally going to make it. No one else is going to get married. It's not going to get canceled. Like, I'm going to come. (laughs) Come hell or high water. And then real quick before we get into uh, this week's chat with Tane and Aid, I did want to share that I thought it was really heartwarming to see Alexis Bellino's post about her son, who uh, is transgender. And I know we all can remember back when she was on The Real Housewives of the OC that she was a bit more bigoted about the whole LGBTQ community. And so I think it's really wonderful that she is being supportive of her son and that not only that, but she's saying, we know what would Jesus do as if this is something in her faith that is guiding her to make sure that her son and all people feel loved and included in our society. And I think That is wonderful. The other thing I'm going to note is that I'm going to be on the podcast Bravo, Bravo, Effing Bravo this week. So stay tuned for that. I'll post it on social media. As always, if you guys like the podcast, be sure to go ahead and give it a five-star rating and leave a kind review. And if you want to chat with me, share whatever you're thinking, uh, you know, tear me apart and something that I said, please do it in the DMs. I I would much rather have that. So uh, you can reach me at Mandy Slutsker on Twitter or Instagram. I also just like, you know, hearing from all of you. You've got some pretty great takes on these shows. And final reminder, if you live in the United States, please don't forget to vote. You can vote early in many states and many jurisdictions. I just voted early this week, and I encourage all of you to do that as well. Please, you know, make your voice heard. Okay, without further ado, we will take a very quick break and then be back with Tane and Aid. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Tane and Aid from Alter Call, a Married at First Sight podcast. These ladies are so amazing. They cover not just Married at First Sight, but they watch Bravo and they were at BravoCon. And so I have them on today to talk about all of our favorite shows, but also their BravoCon experience. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi. Hi, thanks, Mandy. Oh my gosh, I'm so jealous of you and of everyone else that got to go. I am definitely going next year. I'm getting like VIP tickets. I'm doing like I'm going to save up and just go all out. So tell me, like, can you talk through what the events of the weekend consisted of? Was it like panels, meet and greets, like watch what happens live tapings? Like what are all the things going on? It is definitely a choose your own adventure. So we went together, but we had very different BravoCon experiences. Like we went together and then we go apart and then we come together again. So like I was all about meet and greets. I wanted every picture that I could possibly get with anybody Tane actually wanted to hear what people wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a more behind the scenes gal. So I'm trying to get the tea. And then if I happen to see someone to take a picture, then okay, that's nice. But yeah, she's right. Did you have a favorite moment from the weekend? I mean, favorite is like the Beverly Hills Pandemonium was one of my favorite moments because it's like, this is a story. <laughs> Um, I don't that's when people started calling it Firefest, which was completely untrue. It just was a I don't know if you've been to an event like this before, but you can go to panels and you can stay there and then you stay for the next one and then you stay for the next one and that just they quickly realized with the Beverly Hills one that that would not work. So they changed it, but like I'll you know, that was a favorite moment in that it was like an experience. Um, of the many meet and greets I did, I enjoyed many of them. But even though I think she's a terrible person, I kind of loved doing Marlo. Okay. <laughs> because Marlo had a lot of like, like some people would just hurry you through, which made sure more people could get a picture. Marlo wanted to do 10 poses, make faces. She had a very, I'm very happy to be here. And a lot of the Bravo liberties were like that. Like they were just happy for the attention and happy. Like all of their fans are here in one place, like worshiping and adoring them. <laughs> um there were a couple people like Phaedra who didn't show up for her picture up. Um, but yeah, you know, tame. Um, I mean, I had one goal. Our listeners heard it, Aid heard it ad nauseum. I just wanted to meet Candy, and meeting Candy was the most amazing thing. I mean, Todd was there too, so luckily I like Todd, but it was <laughs> nice. Um, that was my favorite moment. And I think just the panel and either the I would say the married to med. Um, panel it was so messy and it was so dark 
but I enjoyed every moment of it. I loved when we all collectively like heckled or booed someone. It was like I told Aid, it's like we're a cult. We're all on the same page. When we all booed, when people talk about booing Lisa Renner, I wish I had a button. I was there. I was one of them. Like it was just great. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely amazing. And it's so fun to feel like you're part of something, especially mm-hmm. after these last few years when we've all been so like separated from one another and kind of not feeling like we're part of anything. To be able to come yeah. together in person and have that experience seems so fun. Yeah. And there's something to be said about not having to explain yourself. Um, like, I would post something on my stories and then you get people BravoCon. That's a thing. What is that? Oh my God. Show. But everybody at BravoCon knows what BravoCon is. They understand. They don't judge you because we'll hear a scream. You hear people running and screaming. Everyone just runs and screams too, because it just means a, a Bravo lab is walking by and we're all just trying to get a picture. And to the outside <laughs> person, they're like, who is that? Why are you doing that? But we all understood without words what we were there for and what we were doing. That was good. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just hope it doesn't fall during something else that I have going on. Mm-hmm. But I hope it's like the exact same weekend in October because I know I can make that. Okay. I, I, um, I mean, I hope so for you. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're on the fence about next year. It was an amazing, yeah. wonderful experience. But then next year will be the same people unless, I mean, you know, like you add the New York, the new New York Housewives or any other new shows that Bravo is having in the next year. But it would be to see the same people. And it's a lot of money to see the same people. Yeah. Yeah. And when you think about it, like we were, t- I was, uh, we were talking, we've talked about this a lot, but we were talking about how like the novelty of the first time experience, this is like. We've been watching OC since, what, 2016? This is pent up for 15 years. What show is going to come out between now and then that's going to make us all, oh, we got to go see the, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's possible, but this is a collective 15, 10 years of shows that, you know, you've been watching for so long and you just got to experience it and see the people. So, Who did you feel like the crowds were most excited to see? Kathy and Garcelle. Oh my gosh. I mean, Garcelle is such a star, just on and off the show. She is a star. And yeah. Kathy's just funny. She's been funny on the show. So. But here's my thing about Kathy Is it that people really like Kathy or people really hate Rena? I think, you know, if you asked last year, I'm one of the people that think Kathy's funny, but I think it's heightened this year. Like, I don't think she's like funny. But it's more like she's the anti- antithesis of Rena, so it's just, you know, we'll take her. <laughs> yeah, take we'll her. take her because do I believe she absolutely went on a tirade and said some things? Absolutely, I think she did. <laughs> I don't think Rena's lying. <laughs> so I agree. Let's talk about the Beverly Hills panel. So, what actually happened during that experience? You said. Normally, people were staying and waiting for the next panel, but they kind of changed it up when it came to Beverly Hills. They changed it after Beverly Hills because it was such a disaster. Uh, Okay. (laughs) So the panels were in these like very large rooms. I had, of course, gone to a photo op 
Tane was already in the room where the panel was being held. So I was in this ridiculous line to get in the room and I was in the line and I was like, there's no way I'm going to make it in the room. There's not enough chairs. There's like, just, there's no way. Um, but I also don't know what's going on at the front of the line. I'm just waiting in this line. I cannot see the door <laughs> or the curtain or wherever it is. And then all of a sudden Andy walks through, which the screaming is pretty bad, but the screaming was really bad for Andy. And I just see like a whole group of people start following Andy. Oh God. And- and then people start running and I'm running too, but I don't know where I'm running to because I don't even know where I'm going. And then I end up in the room and I'll, I'll let Tane pick it up from there. Um, Yeah. And then I'd save the seat for her because again, like she said, I was in there for two other panels. I think Andy walked by because he just finished Ask Andy. So Beverly Hills was next. So at this point, there was a whole bunch of people, including the VIP, which is a good point you brought up. If you're going to go, VIP is the way to go. There's a lot of standing in lines and, you bypass that that way. And then the VIPs, um, their seats were, you know, completely filled up. And then the, what was he? The events coordinator or the director? Director of guest experience. Something, yeah. (laughs) Got on the microphone and is like, well, everything's a fire hazard. Because at this point, people are in the aisles. People are everywhere. The room is packed to the gills. And then it's like, either we have to cancel this show or we're going to move people they open up the curtains to another room and you could just stand by the side and then you could see some vip people like no we pay for vip we're not moving and then people were saving seats and then they were like free for all no one should save seats anymore just go ahead and sit wherever you want to sit yeah and then it was mayhem (laughs) we had an incident beside us where someone's sister went to the bathroom and some girl came and just sat on the seat and she's going back and forth and at some point did she sit on her she sat on the the person (gasps) holding the seat (laughs) (laughs) and she's like they told us we can sit anywhere and we're like no she went to the bathroom and then it's like it was it was yeah it was it was very interesting someone said something like we're not gonna get into a fight at bravo con that's true and that's when i heard that in my head and i'm like okay tane just simmer down just it's okay (laughs) So the, and then I think the worst part of that whole debacle, Beverly Hills was the first panel that I went to see. And it's like, I sat there and I listened to these women talk and I was like, this is really bad. Like at one point they had a therapy session about how hard it is to be a housewife. And I was like, I guess this is how these panels are going to go. And then later on, I go to a Potomac panel and I go to an Atlanta panel and we go to the Married to Medicine panel. And I'm like, oh, this is entertaining. This is fun. This is like watching a reunion live on stage. I mean, in some ways, Beverly Hills was like watching a reunion live on stage because no one called anybody out for anything. It was just, I don't know. It was boring. Yeah, in my opinion. It's the epitome of the show. Like a whole lot of nothing is going on, but yet it's the most hyped and the highest rated. So they had the highest and the largest amount of people at the panel, but we really got nothing. Like the other panels, I can tell you, oh, we got tea. I'm updating people. This is what they said. But Beverly Hills are just like, yeah, we're fine. Oh, it's okay. Sutton is apologizing for something. And then, like she said, Garcelle is like, this is the hardest things in our lives. And we're like, it's your job. Someone like Kyle has been doing it from the beginning. I I don't know. It was it was boring. Interesting. So the one that the most people wanted to see was the most boring. Yes. Yes. In our humble opinion. (laughs) No, I'm sure you're (laughs) accurate. Wow. Could you tell in the... Atlanta, Potomac, or Married to Medicine, 
um, panels who was currently getting along and who like hated each other. Oh yeah. There were, I mean, contest for married to men, Contessa is not messing around with heavenly. There was, she pulled out her cell phone at some point and gave it to an audience member to read the receipts. And at some point, Heavenly got so bad that the audience member, we're, we're just like cut her mic off. Like she was, you know, getting so bad. Um, Potomac, they're professionals. You know, there's a reason why they're the best franchise. They may hate each other, but they came together because that's what we do. Candace and Giselle are still not messing with each other. But on the panel, they were giving each other compliments and all of that. So, yeah. Interesting. Who was the moderator for these panels did you know them from before no <laughs> no beverly hills brad goreski yes okay yeah i didn't um, know who he was before oh he He's was so uh, rachel rachel zoe's um assistant and he became a oh. stylist and oh, got his okay. own show and yeah he's pretty known his husband is famous too i forget gary janetti yes he's been on bitch sesh yes so you know he made you just, I think Brad does videos where he yes. like dresses up as the housewives and recreates yes. scenes. It's yes. very funny. He does. Um, for the ask Andy, it was Hoda oh. and, Savannah, and Savannah Guthrie. So that was, wait, was that? It was, right? It's yeah. like a blur, but yes, it, that was Ask Andy. That's who it was. Um, I was in like the main area when Savannah and Hoda walked through and the looks on their faces because they were sort of getting the same treatment that the Bravo celebrities where people are like yelling and running after them and Hoda's just looking around like, oh my God, you people are crazy. <laughs> but I wasn't, for me, I was like, I didn't know you were going to be here, Hoda. And I love you. I'm so excited that you're here. <laughs> that is yeah. so funny. Did you see any well-known people who were there just to be part of BravoCon? Yes. Uh, Jerry O'Connell. Nice. Uh, he was a moderator for Summer House, one of them shows, Vanderpump Rose, one of them together. I have a selfie with him where he does not look happy to be in a picture with me. But this <laughs> people um and when i was leaving i walked by creasy tegan okay her security so i just got a little bit of her so i think that and then i don't know if people read brian moylan brian oh i moylan. love brian moylan he's brian been moylan, on the podcast yes. like two or three times yeah yes i was very excited to see him and him yeah you know he went to bravo con in 2019 in disguise oh and yeah, this time he got book. a formal invite. <laughs> oh, yes. yes so, yes, yes, yes. Moving on up, right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, and then mainly another final question before we kind of dive into some of this week's shows. How did people react to Erica and Lisa Rinna at BravoCon? Because online, they get ripped to shreds by so many people. I would be, if I were them, terrified to go and stand in front of a group of, like, Bravo fans. So I'm just wondering how they, Bravo fans, reacted to them. I I think Erica got a decent reaction. She didn't get booed. She got claps and got cheers for some. Um, on Watch What Happens Live, we went to, we got an extra ticket for the Legends Ball she seemed very disengaged. She was on her phone most of the time. Um, but I, I watched another episode where 
Andy did ask her about it. Like, how is she coping? How is she doing? And people were cheering for her. And she was saying, thank you for all the support. And she got the cheers. But I will say this, which might be an unpopular take. I liked Erica better after BravoCon. I just oh. thought she was fun. I don't, <laughs> I can't explain it. I'm ashamed myself, but it's just, it's almost like she knows what she, she's still a terrible person. I, I'm not taking that away from her with the victims and all that. I'm not judging you. Like, she's you can still, like I'm who you my, like. <laughs> I'm judging myself. <laughs> but I will say the whole, you know, when they asked what celebrity is going to split and she said PK, I mean, I think it's staged and all that, but it was fun to me and it was just how she said it i liked watching her interact with kenya on watch what happens live and they yes this camaraderie and it was just it was just fun and the thing i like about erica even before BravoCon, is like she's vicious but she can let things go she's not like she'll laugh with you the next time you may be seen as fake but she'll laugh with Sutton, or she'll you know have a conversation with garcelle but they'll have their tiff so i think she knows what it takes to be a housewife and understands that it's a job and I think that kind of came through in BravoCon and made me like her more with BravoCon. But to answer your question, I don't think she was ripped to shreds, but Renner was the one who got... Every time her name was even mentioned, even if she wasn't there, she got a boo. And someone in Ask Andy asked, when are we getting her fired? And Andy said, let's see how the reunion plays out. Oh, God. I think with Renna, the problem is all the antics she does outside the show... Yeah. In addition, I mean, she's nasty to people in the show, but honestly, people just need to start standing up to her and calling her out rather than letting her like ram them over. I wanted Denise to stay and fight, and she didn't. She ran away. Lisa Vanderpump ran away. You know, like they could have stayed and argued, right? And and they had the audience on their side, you know. But when it comes to her antics on social media, they are so out of the bounds of decency yeah. that it, and she's so addicted to it. It's like terrifying to watch. So I'm wondering what if she was demoted? Would that do enough to like shake her? Or does she have to be fired completely? Because the, the main problem I think for a lot of us watching these shows and this show in particular is the alliance that the four of them have but it seems like it's cracked. I mean, Teddy Mellencamp said that their Fox Force 5 group chat has gone silent since BravoCon. So a part of me wonders if Erica was just truly telling the truth about PK and Dorit and that it was offensive, obviously, because they're not supposed to leak each other's personal stuff. Yeah, yeah. I would watch if they tear each other up, but I also want Lisa to be a friend of rather than a full-time housewife so that Erica sometimes has to do scenes with other people. Hmm. I think the problem with Beverly Hills is even if the Fox Force 5 or 4 break up, that show is so structured for people to not defend themselves for anything. Yeah, like I just that? don't understand how Diana sits there and says all these terrible things about Sutton, and Sutton just sits there. And I am not making fun of her. I think it's a normal human reaction to just sit there and cry when someone is that mean to you. But it's not good housewives. That would not happen on Potomac. It wouldn't happen on Atlanta. It wouldn't even happen on Old New York. There would be a back and forth. There would be a conflict. And not today, Hills, Satan. 
<laughs> not today, not today ankle. neck. No <laughs> <laughs> one at Beverly Hills is prepared to argue with anybody. I want to see them point. actually argue. That is what I like. I'm constantly watching in anticipation of them having a real conversation about anything. And it's, yeah. I don't think they're going to do it. <laughs> no, you, you bring up a good point. I just never thought about it. But now that I think about it, that is why Brandy was not a good fit. Because she ah. brought up things and they're all like, why would you do that? We're on camera. We need to be all, you know, right. And Buttoned we'll up that. and say yeah. it behind each other's backs and allude to things without actually stating them stating. in the open. So let's, speaking of alluding to things, let's uh, jump to the reunion part three on Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. where we can go into a lot of things. But like the crux of the matter is that Erica, rather than alluding to dark stuff or whatever that Kathy did, she came out and said that Kathy called the DJ or the manager an FN F. <laughs> and like, that's what I had heard through the mm-hmm. grapevine from people mm-hmm. based in LA starting in March. That's what I had heard in March of this year. I'd never heard anything about allegations of racism or Sutton's assistant or anything like that. I heard it was someone that was at the Caribou Club that worked there, and she used that slur. Now, we find out that Erica is the only one that heard it because she said it to Erica. And what I was even more shocked by was that HR did an investigation at Bravo and NBC Universal and found that it was sort of a case of she said, she said. There's no videotape of it. There's no one else to corroborate what was said. So it becomes inconclusive. What are your gut reactions to that? What happened? I think this whole thing is kind of hilarious. I think (laughs) that Lisa Rinna heard what Kathy said. I think Kathy said things she should not have said. And I don't understand. This is the problem at Beverly Hills. Rena could have gone and been like, Kathy said homophobic. And if she did, maybe racist things. But instead, Rena turns it into, this is what Kathy said about Kyle. And if Rena had led with the homophobia, I actually think that the crowd would be on her side. And I think that's part of her rage, is how the F am I getting all this shit? <laughs> When this woman said all these terrible things, right. that's not how you presented it, Rinna. But you Rinna, made it about Kyle. Rinna didn't hear the homophobic thing. Erica did. And so, so she's just going off of what Erica said. She didn't hear it. The things that she heard were the mean things Kathy said about other castmates and Kyle. But well, why so did they, Erica so, say something? So they claim. But that's the thing. Remember, we just found out, well... Queens of Bravo found out earlier that Lisa was the one who threw Garcelle's book and Erica held that for months. How do we know Lisa isn't punting this to Erica again to say that she said that to her? Oh. And they they don't think things through. Erica, if you're the only one she said it to, how did it leak? Well, she leaked it. I think her and Lisa talked about it and then it 
you know, everyone who was there in production then talked about it. All of their friends then talked about it. It got to it got to everyone. Everyone was talking about it. And I also think there were other people, at -hmm. least when it comes to her throwing a tantrum. That was what I heard before what it was about. And there were a lot of other people at the club that night that I think probably leaked that story. But then when the details started coming out, it could only be from Erica and Rena's camps. No one else wanted that story to come out. Yeah. I think she said it. (laughs) I think she said it too. I think she said it. It's it's so great that because there's no proof, I can't like 100% say, oh my God, she did. But gun to head, I think she did. Right. I mean, I, I love just, that she said yeah. it and she's being made to like, I, I love that Kathy is somehow the hero in this narrative, <laughs> which she probably said some really terrible things. It's wild. I mean, she, I think that Kathy must have just been seen red when she was told no by someone. She's used to being treated a certain way. She has certain expectations for how everyone's going to treat her. She was a member of this club and she thought that they should go out of their way to let her request songs. And they said, no, we're really busy. We can't do it tonight. (laughs) And that threw her into, I mean, she must have been an asshole in how she was asking for the manager to be rude to her. Right. Mm -hmm. Like a manager of a club that is, you know, trying to attract customers is not going to say go back to L.A. if you're not behaving in a way in which you should take your ass back to L.A. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. I just want to know why she did this show. She doesn't need the money. She doesn't. I mean, it's not Housewives fame. I get it. But why, what is the appeal? Nothing about what they do seems to appeal to her. So why is she on this show? And don't, it can't be to repair her relationship with Kyle. I, uh, <laughs> oh, I don't think so at all. No. I think it's to change the narrative about her. Because if she wasn't on the show, the only thing we would have heard about her in the last two years would be that she had Paris kidnapped in the middle of the night and sent to a boarding school where she was abused. And th- and that would be the only thing that we knew from Kathy Hilton. And that we wouldn't know anything about her quirky personality. Nothing. Oh, those are better than mine. I thought it was revenge for Kim. But also, <laughs> to the only thing that Kyle has that she doesn't have is housewife fame. And she just wanted to get that. And then now we're even. <laughs> I know. I, I think she's think- jealous of Kyle. For sure. I don't know if it's jealousy, but Kathy has not been on this show ever since two years ago. And before that, it was constant Kyle going on the show to talk about how Kathy did her dirty or they were fighting or Kathy's not on my side. Oh, Kathy. Like, I feel like Kathy just wanted the opportunity. Like if me and Kyle are going to fight all the time, I'm going to have my own side out there. Yeah, Yeah. no. I mean, in the Kyle versus Kathy, like, how do you see that? Like, did you have, what did you think about it before? And what did you think about it after watching? It's a journey. (laughs) (laughs) Because I spend way too much time thinking about it. Season one, 
I'm like, Kyle is the victim here. Her sisters treat her like shit. Like she's the youngest, but she's the one carrying all the burdens. She's a responsible one doing this for her sister. As the years go by, it's like a 50-50 type situation. Like Kyle has a, Kyle is the worst kind of quote unquote good person. The good person that wants to prove that they're good and doesn't want to embrace the dark side that they have. And it's irritating. And now I, with the whole LVP thing, I'm team LVP. I don't care what she did, but I just feel that was handled wrong. And the way she didn't defend Kim, I'm not even a fan of Kim. I will say that that whole Amsterdam thing running away and still not defending your sister. That's trash. I don't care what the situation is. That's your sister. So I think the only part where I think she had a leg to stand on was for the TV show. I don't think she did anything wrong, but I think it was accumulation of all the things that they already held against her. They were just, Kathy was convinced that this is bad. This is a bad idea. And I already hate you or whatever. But now I do think Kathy is mean to Kyle and Kyle is glad that all of this happened (laughs) Um, to see the other side of it. But I don't think that she handled it well, but it's hard to say because I don't know if it's like she's frustrated too. Like, what else can I do? So, I don't know. It's tough. I kind of don't believe them that they want to have a good relationship. I don't even know what a good relationship looks like for them. Um, I think they thrive on this conflict and the one-upping and who did what to who lately and who showed up to whose event lately. It's like their old little mini housewives drama that they have between the two of them. Um I'm not on anybody's side. I think they're, I mean, I have a sister. These, this is the worst sister relationships I, I've ever seen. I'm like, you guys are really messed up. What I will say, one thing I'm always on Kyle's side about is this stole my goddamn house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ken was getting, and it's, it's still getting 10K a month in alimony from a marriage for many, many years ago. And of course needed financial rescuing. And Kyla Mauricio did her a favor by buying her out of that portion of the house so that she could repay money that she owed to other people. And her response is like 10 years later on national television to say you stole my house. I don't like that. I agree. <laughs> I think Kim, while we saw her on the show, you know, was an active addiction. And so when you haven't gone through like recovery and 12 steps and, you know, repairing your relationships, you view yourself as the ultimate victim, right? And not the fact that you maybe contributed to why certain things happened. And so I felt bad for Kyle season one. I'm like, she's been dealing with this sister and she's been covering for her and she's been, you know, helping her out over, you know, probably a span of decades that Kim has been, you know, using and abusing whatever. And I love Kim because I find her to be such a joyous and fun person and quirky person. But I don't think it would be fun to be her family member. Yeah, I think Kyle knows what to do. But like with everything else with Kyle, she doesn't have the balls to do it. I don't think her sisters need to be in her life. They're not giving her peace. And I know like as sisters, we want to see them come back together. But if it's a fraught relationship and it's to the point of no repair at this point, they're just faking the funk. They just need to go their separate ways and just be cordial. But it's not just them. It's their kids. That's the the problem. The kids have relationships and it does impact when the moms have an issue. So weirdly, 
weirdly enough, I actually have a similar situation uh, in my family. And the cousins stay cool. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, one of the aunts told me, I have made it to where the cousins can all be good. We don't all have to be good as adults, as the grownups. Yeah, I think because the cousins are grown, it's easier. They're not, if they were all like Portia's age or something, I think it would be harder. Like what? Paris is like, what, 41, 42? Like, I think <laughs> they can they can have their relationship without getting into their moms. Yes, it's going to affect it some way. And like, I'm not saying they should be enemies and never speak. I'm just saying, stop trying and accept it for what it is. Like, if you weren't sisters, you wouldn't like each other. And you've tried and it's not working. It's, it's, it's just what, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. I feel like they haven't tried in the way uh, that I would try. They can't do that while still being on camera. True. No, exactly. I would, I would say I will quit the show and I really want to repair my relationship with you guys. Would you agree to do some sort of therapy or family counseling with an independent person that, so that's what I, you know i i can't imagine not being on speaking terms for months and years at a time with my sibling it's it's unfathomable to me and but i also feel like the blame is almost entirely on their mom like she set them up to compete with one another to you know, view Kyle as the younger one who always had to be grateful for whatever she was given and could never try and do more. And Kathy is like, you know, the head of everything. Like she set them up this way to have animosity towards one another. They had a childhood where they 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 were scratching and fighting for attention. Um, you know, and, and that that leads to so many problems. I feel like Kathy is still pissed that Kyle grew up and that her and Mauricio are taking control of their life and have got fame, have got money. Um, they feel She feels that they should be indebted to Kathy and Rick for all Kathy and Rick did for them. It's as mm-hmm. if like they could never have done it without us sort of a thing. And I think she likes Kim because Kim is never going to outshine her, never going to have more money than her, none of that stuff. So that's why it's easier for her to be friends with Kim because Kim stays, quote unquote, in her place. Yeah. But I think it goes back to what Aid said. They don't want to repair this relationship. You have to have that desire to take that step. I think Kyle wants to, but she's not willing to leave the show to do it. That means right. she doesn't want to. to. I, I don't know. She just wants peace. Kyle just doesn't want. Kyle is the kind of person. Don't be mad at me. Don't be mad. It's that last born. She's a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. So she just doesn't want that stress of like, are you mad at me? Are we good? Are we good? But deep down, she doesn't want that. That's why she throws the stone and hides her hands. She just doesn't want that. I don't know. That's why when I see the takes of people saying, get the sisters on the show. I'm like, abort, abort. Nope. <laughs> You can't get all three on Before the show. Before this season, that's what I would have wanted, right? Because oh. I thought Kathy was so quirky and funny. And as a friend of, I didn't think she'd get pulled into that much drama. Truly. Mm. Like, it's just, at, she's a friend of. Why would why would she be there for all of it? Why would they target her? And I feel like she was, she messed up. Yeah. But a lot of them mess up. PK yeah. got a DUI. 
while filming. And he's, you know, paid to be on the show. He's in confessionals. No one was going after him and Dorit over that. You know, it's like everyone messes up, but they chose Kathy. And by they, I mean, Rina and Erica. Let's focus on her because the audience loves her. And they don't know what she's really like. And the audience doesn't care what she's really like (laughs) that's what they they always like misjudge how the audience is going to react people always forget how much likability goes it goes a long way you have to build that equity and rena and erica don't have that equity but i will give erica props because she was um upfront about the fact like i just want her to get as much flack as i did she said that. Yeah. And she's up front. Like, that's what I want for Kathy. But Renner is still, I was scared for my life. I have PTSD. Like, what are you doing? Like, I'm going to get be cancer. Better than that. What the hell is wrong <laughs> with you that you would say something like that? It's horrible. But I find Kathy really fun for this show. I like her relationship with Garcelle. I find her entertaining as a side character, not as a main character. But I really didn't like how she t- how she talks to Kyle. She always has to have the upper hand. She always has to have the final word. She decides when they decide to talk, what they decide to talk about, the terms mm-hmm. of everything. And so when Kyle was like, I want to talk about it. And she's like, I don't. It just immediately shut down. And then Kyle's like, I know that look. I know how she's behaving. I know what's going to happen after this. Like, she is very angry. And I think Kathy has probably one of the scariest, like, anger issues of probably most of the housewives. Yes. And it's because her she has a temper, but it's not an outburst. It's like the controlled, quiet anger, which is one of the worst. Last night, Kathy was all about how basically Kyle did not live up to her expectations. And that's why she was upset. I expected her to defend me. And she was upset at the reunion because she's like, I expected you to defend me. Now that you haven't defended me, I'm going to go off on Right. Well, the thing that I thought was, because I could understand, you know, I expect you to defend me to your friends and to shut them up, right? We're sisters. I get that. What I didn't get is that she made up in her head that when they were going to that hat store, that Kyle would, for whatever reason, host a tequila tasting of a tequila that Kathy had invested in. Why would Kyle do that? There was like no indication that that was what she was planning on doing. Nothing. So Kathy assumed something in her head and then got really, really mad at Kyle for not doing the thing that Kyle didn't even know Kathy wanted her to do. It was so wild. And she's so mean when she does it. I mean, I don't think Kyle's like the greatest thing ever, the greatest person, but I don't think anyone deserves to be treated like that or to be yelled at like that. Yeah, that's true. Extremely manipulative. Mm-hmm. And she but it's- took ownership for it, but it's like, mm-hmm. okay, how often do you do this? That's the thing. That's their dynamic. How do you change that now? They're in their 50s, 60s, and that's how it's been since you were a little girl. So I think you're right. If they do want to fix it, Someone needs to come off TV and they actually need to go to therapy. And actually, honestly, no. Kyle doesn't need to give up what if the show makes her happy. I don't think she should give it up. They could still go to therapy, but they just need to set aside their egos, a.k.a. Kathy, and just kind of like just work it out and talk it out if that's what they want. 
but it's going to be difficult to break Kyle this has dynamic. An ego too. Like they all have <laughs> egos. Like that they're all guilty of that. Um yeah. In terms of other things that were brought up, any thoughts on how Erica said she was, you know, upset with how she behaved and is talking through it with her therapist, how she behaved on this season? I don't believe her for one second. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just don't. Erica cannot seem to get through. I mean, my favorite part was Kathy telling Erica, basically, you're walking around with stolen goods because it's the truth. And for like years, yes. no one has said it's the truth. Why everybody's in love with Kathy is because she's the first person to just say the truth. Yeah. Also, Erica's therapist is a TV therapist. I used to watch her on VH1, Dr. Jen. I don't think so. that's her regular therapist. I think that's <laughs> the one that agreed to go on TV. Yeah, for sure. Um, so one of my favorite things, though, was one when Kyle was like, hey, defending you like brings a lot of heat on me. And that pissed off Erica so much as if like no one can be a bigger victim than I am, right? No one, like I'm the only one that matters and boo-hoo that you get hate. And then my absolute favorite moment of the entire reunion was when Andy compared Erica to Ruth Madoff. And was like, do you ever think <laughs> about Ruth Madoff? And she goes, no. I'm like, that's your problem. You don't, you think you're the only person that's ever experienced this. You are not the only person that has been wronged by their spouse who has done horrible, horrible things to large amounts of people. Yeah. I think that Erica's thing is that being married to Tom was like a job that she had. And once he didn't have any money, her job was over. Like the way she spoke about, oh, the last time you talked to Tom, there's like zero affection. I don't think there's even much like, oh my gosh, I spent so many years with this man and now it's over. And she, he was paying her to do a job. <laughs> her job is over. Oh my gosh. And she didn't get a severance. <laughs> <laughs> those earrings, those earrings, man. When she kept on being like, we're appealing for legal reasons. I was like, this is so annoying. You just you just don't want to give up any of the things that you acquired during this marriage. That, that's yeah. just like, and the thing is, is because she thinks they're hers, that she did yeah. something to earn them. And that's what's so frustrating. They are payment for services rendered to Tom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she's like, I did buy services. I expected <laughs> Do you guys want to um, <clears throat> talk about Potomac next? Oh. It's my favorite. It's absolutely my favorite. Okay. Let's just dive right into it. What do you think of the assertion of a couple of the women that Chris Bassett makes them uncomfortable? It is so uncomfortable as a woman to watch a show and feel like, oh, I like I believe women. I am all for me, too. And these women are putting all of us as an audience in a position where the facts are not adding up. And I actually think it's a useful exercise. Problem being, like, accusations usually aren't false and everything's in the eye of the beholder. Well, maybe Giselle was uncomfortable, but Chris really didn't do anything wrong. Like, there's a lot of nuance there that's great to explore. But at the end of the day, it just looks like they're trying to malign a man who did absolutely nothing wrong. Awesome. When it comes from Ashley Darby, whose husband has done a lot of things that she has defended, and you want me to believe that Chris, of all the people sending you a DM, was suddenly like this sinister thing, or it, it was just, 
it didn't sit right. For Giselle, I can give her maybe you were uncomfortable, but maybe not like, oh, in a terrible way. You're just like, oh, I don't want to be accused of cheating or anything like that. But you sat on this for five months and waited till there was a camera. And also, because you have a relationship, you could easily have picked up the phone. And just be like, hey, Chris, like, you know, I was a little uncomfortable. But the way it was presented, the way it was made, it just, that was what was just terrible about it. It's it's like, everything is not a storyline. I get it. That's your job to keep things moving. But it it just wasn't right. I think the most important thing they see is Karen talking to Giselle. I loved everything about it. Because at first I was like, Karen's really going with this story. But Karen was not going with the story. Karen was interrogating the story. And by the end of it, Karen had brought Giselle to say with her, oh, he didn't do anything wrong, which we all kind of do anyway. Right. And yeah. when Chris was asked to leave the room, he did. He left. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I had never thought of this, but a listener of the podcast wrote to me and said, you know, this might have something to do with Giselle's religion. And some people feel like it's inappropriate to be in a room alone with a married man. And I don't know if it's like, like, I'm thinking of Mike Pence, how he would never be in the room alone with a woman. It's this idea that you just don't want to have temptation. Or, and I'm, that's me giving her a lot of benefit of the doubt. Now, she can be uncomfortable, but that is not an assault, right? If if you can't state what he did to make you uncomfortable, it just existing in a space made her uncomfortable. Like she is right to feel uncomfortable. Like she is well within, like you can have whatever feelings you have, but I don't know. That was just something I hadn't thought about. I I mean, I would respectfully disagree with that angle. I think, how I interpreted her, what she was uncomfortable about was rumors. Because she was very quick for everyone she told that story. He didn't touch me. He didn't say anything. He didn't whatever. She just emphasized, I didn't want anyone to say, oh, I'm in a room with a married man alone by myself. So I think she was more concerned about, oh, I don't want to, because they have a friendly relationship already. Like Mm -hmm. someone just saying, oh, you're being alone and you want to do that. But deep down in her heart, because again, she quickly emphasized with everyone she told the story, she knew that there was nothing terrible about it. It was just, I don't want any insinuations. Do you think that she... I'm trying to figure out how to phrase it. Do you think that she genuinely felt uncomfortable? Or do you think she's actually kind of making this up so she has something to talk about? Because it does feel like she routinely does go after the husband's. It seems like it was like a little nugget of her being uncomfortable, and then it was really blown up into something much bigger. And the nail in the coffin for me is the idea that this was like a set up storyline is when Mia was like, oh, he was staring at me at the party. And there's no footage. It's like there's no world in which that happened. I think Mia was just playing along. She's in, Her head is in the clouds. But I think two things are true. I think she was uncomfortable, but just uncomfortable like, oh, I don't want to be alone with this married man. And then she's like, oh, wait, what can I do with this nugget? Like you said. And then she blew it up because this is not the first time Giselle has done this. If you remember the whole 
thing with Monique and Chris, where she tried to do the whole fraternity thing and try to do that. Apparently, there was a whole discussion about it. Candace said that there was. We don't know. But Giselle likes to move stories that don't involve her. Mm-hmm. That I think she was uncomfortable, but not to the point where, like you said, it was assault or anything of the sort. But she just thought she could milk it. Yeah. And it's interesting because Potomac, what makes it great is that they are willing to push a story along, to talk about everything. That's why it's a great show. But this time, Giselle has gone too far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the thing is, the, she's gone too far, but I don't think the audience hates her. They're just like, nah, nah, this ain't, <laughs> this ain't it, girl. Do something else, right? Yeah, but you know what part of it is? They're a great ensemble on Beverly Hills. The Fox Five, whatever, would have gone together. But the Green Eyed Bandits, you see Robin doing the opposite. So it splits the story into, oh, these friends, are they going to split? Are they going to crack? I mean, I don't think they're going to crack. But you can see how you can still be friends and still disagree. And like Aid said, Karen said, you shouldn't have done that on camera. She said that flat out. It's like, I hear you. But this was wrong. So you can do two things. So the story is moving along, not mean girls on one side and accuser on the other side and let's gang up on somebody. So that's what makes it great. Speaking of things being on camera, what did you make of Wendy's hot mic moment where she had been insinuating that she didn't think Mia was lying? She just thought she was being unclear. And then as soon as the cameras went down and her mic was still on, she's like, I mean, we all know she's lying. (laughs) That thing was so silly because what she said, what Wendy said, I'm going to be a lawyer about this, is I have never called her a liar. And the hot mic moment happened after. Mm -hmm. So what exactly was Wendy caught doing? It was funny. I'm glad they put it in there. It was good for a laugh. But first off, I think... I agree this whole Mia and her stupid posts is all a cry for attention to create drama. It's it's I don't like Mia. I'd be very happy when she's gone. She's boring and she's dumb. And this is I think the whole I have cancer thing is like the way she's gone about this has been very silly, to be honest. So I'm not even mad at Wendy for, for being like she's lying. I didn't like it, Mandy. I actually just had a bad taste in my mouth about it because I'm like First of all, the producer's like, San Wen, how you doing? How did it go? And then you're prepping her up to set her up. And I'm like, if we're going to do hot mic situations, then let's do it for all of the cast. Like, why is she being singled out? So, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't say I get it. It's a reality show. And she took it well. On Twitter, she's just like, oop, when you make a mistake, when you get caught. And she's fine with it. So who am I? To, to be mad about it because I'm not even like a Wendy fan, but I didn't quite like it just felt like she was being singled out because I'm sure a bunch of them, Giselle, I am sure, has something. So if we're going to do that, let's do that for all of the cast. Okay. I am not a big fan of Dr. Wendy. So I used to love her, used to love her her first season. And then by this season, I'm like, you're no longer that same person. You don't know who you are. And it is frustrating to watch someone who is like a shape, like their personality just keeps shifting and their interests keep shifting. And I can't keep track of, and I'm starting to think, and okay, so one of the other things that really irked me about Wendy was um, during the last reunion when Nicki Minaj was asking the questions. First of all, I thought it was kind of shitty that they all were kissing Nicki's ass given Mm -hmm 
what Nikki has done. And mm-hmm, of all the mm-hmm. people to know what she's done, I would think it would be Wendy because she is well read. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe they didn't know. I think a lot of people didn't know. I didn't know until the reunion came up and it started coming out in the press. So I think I think they know. Like, I think it's very well known, especially in the black community. And she calls herself a barb. It, it's it's well known. I but think what does knew. a barb mean? Uh, a Nicki Minaj stunt. No, I know it's that, called, but why is oh, it a barb? Oh, Wendy's a barb. Is a barb. Oh, Wendy's. Uh, a Wendy's got it. Okay, <laughs> I still stand, don't know yes. why it's a barb, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but with Wendy, when she was like looking at the note cards in advance, I was like, oh, that's the kind of person you are. Like you are thinking so far ahead of how you're going to come off that you're not. I just didn't think it was a genuine, like, it just, I don't know, something about it really bothered me. I'm like, would you steal, like, the questions on a test? You know, what if one of your students did that? It just felt like, come on, this isn't that high stakes, like, chill the F (laughs) out, you know? You don't need to know all the questions in advance. And I think that she might be one of those people who is very different on camera from off camera. And that is why they showed it. And I think later this season, Uh, it might come up that the other women think she's fake because uh, that's something Robin keeps saying on social media. And I'm like, well, it can't just be over this hot mic moment. Like they must have real experience with her in which they think she's fake. And I don't think she's the only one that does this. Certainly not on this cast. But like across franchises, I always think there's women who like have a certain thing that they're trying to do that season and aren't really being their authentic selves. That makes sense, Mandy, because, yeah, if it's a setup and that's why they included that, that makes sense because then it tells it's the beginning of the setup of a story down the line. But I, I agree with you. I think that really hurts me to say because again Wendy's also a Nigerian and you know try to support I know, her I know but Wendy <laughs> Wendy reminds me of Ebony everyone talks about but Ebony everything aside she just wasn't a good fit for Roni because she was too serious it has nothing to do with her race or anything it was just like she's using it as a platform for something else for the view or whatever and that's what Wendy it's almost like Wendy acts like she feels she has a limited time so she has to get everything she can and be interesting, but she doesn't know how she wants to be interesting because I agree with her. You can be multifaceted. She can be sexy. You can be a student, but when you're not authentic, it kind of shows through. And then it seems like you're try hard. And that's what I'm getting from Wendy's. Like you're trying too hard sometimes. And maybe that's what's rubbing them off and they have info that we don't know, but I don't want to, I don't like the green eye bandies. I'm not going to be on their side. So (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's kind of hard because, you know, Robin pulled this whole thing about not inviting Wendy's kids to her family fun day, which on one hand, it's very housewives. On the other hand, it's like unnecessarily petty. And I also get real like side eye when housewives stop inviting each other to stuff because I'm like, okay, now you're trying to get somebody fired. I also find this whole Karen trying to run away whenever Sharice is around to be hilarious. <laughs> because so I'm like, funny. you're not going to get... Like, you're not going to get her off by not showing up to things, Karen. It's not going to work. Yeah, at some point, they are going to have a blow up. I just know. And I cannot wait to see Karen lose it at Charisse. What is their beef? Am I forgetting something? I think she (laughs) is the one who brought up that Karen had, like, a blue-eyed boyfriend. 
Uh, like many seasons ago or someone that yeah. she was like blue eyes is what they called him. Like yeah. a, maybe she had someone on the side. This show makes no sense. Karen, last year you called Gisela hotbox and you guys are still talking and you don't want to talk to someone because they accused you of having a boyfriend. That's very anti the ethos of Potomac. <laughs> but wait, speaking of blue, eye, can I ask you guys a question? What was that conversation Karen had with Ray about eye candy and men, and I'm like, are we, is this an open, I don't know what, is this code? I don't know what they're I couldn't figure about. it out either. I was wondering if, like, it's okay for her to look at men, but not, but like, yeah. who doesn't look at men? I don't know. Like, you don't, what do you mean look at men? <laughs> like, you don't have to tell your husband that you looked at a man. Yeah. Why was it a scene? I, I just, are, are they telling us? I, I didn't get it. <laughs> I feel like it's a setup for like Karen having someone on the side. That's what, and his whole thing about being nervous about her having plastic surgery, I don't think has anything to do with cheating. Oh, I, I think he's it. just like, why go under the knife? Why, you know, do all this stuff? And I don't know. <laughs> but maybe, I don't know. Maybe it does. I, I who Who knows? Why do you think Robin goes so hard after Wendy? Oh. Yeah, I think the struggle here is trying to remember what happened last season. <laughs> oh, That's I think- always a struggle. <laughs> I, I have two answers. One, I don't want to get really deep, but there have been like accusations of colorism. But I don't think that's the case. They're just people, viewers have been saying there's colorism and there's that. I don't have enough information. I don't want to accuse anyone of anything, so I don't know. I listened to Candace on Carlos King, and her point about colorism was like, within our cast, I don't think we have colorism. Yeah. It is the audience reaction to Yes, 100%. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't, I'm not with that story. But the other thing is like that, that read on Giselle um at the was it the cabin or wherever last season when Robin was drunk and she was like you have a man who doesn't want to get married to you and all that oh that that was mean that that was really mean robbed Robin the wrong way and from her point of view I don't think she thinks she can have a conversation with Wendy Wendy goes all the way off on a tangent and it's like talking to a wall and Robin gets so frustrated and she just doesn't like Wendy like she just can't get past it like I have to work with this woman but I don't like this woman wendy pontificates everything sounds like she is doing news commentating it never seems genuine even yeah. asking her like what's going on with her business it's just her talking to mia I'm, it doesn't even feel authentic she speaks in bullet points <laughs> that's the issue she speaks in bullet points and it's just i want her to just be herself and mm-hmm. I feel like she was the first season, and I enjoyed her the first season. But I feel like she saw herself and was like, oh, I'm going to take notes, and I'm going to change who I am next time, because yeah. I want to be who the audience likes, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that pisses me off. I want someone like Candace, who is an asshole the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I like her because she is herself, yeah. always. It's the simplest lesson, but the hardest for this housewife that authenticity always wins. Like with Ashley, Ashley is a great housewife because she's just herself. And I think, you know, I listen to a lot of people's conversations at BravoCon. And then people were talking about how Ashley is very chatty. It's almost like she has nothing to hide. 
and she's very open about everything. Like she was talking to someone about her divorce. She was talking about the house. Someone asked her, oh, did you get the house? She said she couldn't talk much about it, but gave her like a wink or whatever. So I don't know what that means. But when you're chatty and you have nothing to hide, you get to be free and you get to be yourself. And even though Ashley does terrible things, you're still like, you know what? She's all right. Because we're getting her. And like you said, Candace is not likable, but we know what we're going to get from ratatatatat (laughs) (laughs) she's consistent but when we don't know what to get but i think the issue is wendy doesn't know who she is too or who she wants to be at this point yeah i'm still not believing that ashley is leaving that man (laughs) i think she is i think apparently her tiktoks she's still shooting videos in that apartment she never got a house as far as the tiktoks are concerned (laughs) maybe all will be revealed later but I don't think I, I until she walks out of that uh, Arlington condo, I will never believe that Ashley is leaving. Michael, we can follow up in four months. She said they're at eight months right now. So mm-hmm. once it's 12 months, yeah, we'll catch up. <laughs> and the show should still be on when she actually gets around to filing for divorce instead of separation. If that is what she's going to do. <laughs> mm. Okay. One thing much. that I got wrong was I thought when, who is it? Giselle said, you know, Ashley, if you sleep with him, the clock starts over. I thought Mm -hmm. that was sort of like an emotional thing. Like it's harder again to leave, but apparently it's legal. And that Mm -hmm. in some states and with some judges, you have to have been separated and not had like relations Mm -hmm. for a full 12 months. And I, I had no idea. (laughs) She said it at BravoCon, too, because someone brought it up with the whole Luke thing and all that. And she was like, yeah, I can't even. Someone said if she had the Fanny, what was it? Coochie Coochie cravings. Coochie Coochie craving from Michael. And she goes, no, not in time. And also, if I do that, I have to start all over again. So, no, there hasn't been any of that. And she said they don't talk much. I'm sure. So, again, not sure if it's true. To close us out, I just wanted to hop to another franchise. Salt Lake. So just wanted to get your read on the argument that's been happening and the fractured friendship between Whitney and Heather and who you think is more authentic of the two. <laughs> I'm team Heather. Uh, I am very, what Whitney is doing is very, very confusing and makes me very deeply uncomfortable because they're having an argument about rumors about who slept with who, but now it's part of her healing journey from being abused as a child it's discomforting. Oh, I agree. Whitney. Whitney is another one of those. Whitney is a housewife who desperately wants to keep her job. And she's doing the most. I'm team Heather. Again, not a huge fan of Heather because it's petty. I'm just tired of the whole, I get it, the Mormon j- journey, but I don't want her to make that a personality. Like there's more to you than that. But I also get how difficult it is to live something that you've known for so long but i think heather heather is a lot of things but why would she lie about that if she knew about it she didn't repeat it she could easily say i heard about it it's like it's not a big deal so i don't know what whitney's trying to make this into but also how did this get to the point where they don't speak I, it's very confusing i'm hoping that we get more this season as to why they don't speak because the argument we see so far is not great i will say because I, I think both of you didn't watch salt lake last night last I night did. you did i oh. fell asleep <laughs> <laughs> last night angie kind of backed up what 
they're very concerned about the details, but Angie H, which there's two Angies and this is all very confusing, but Angie H says that what Whitney is saying is true, but Angie H is clearly a snake in the grass, so I don't know if we should be trusting her either. I also think Heather got zero bonus points with Lisa for for saying that she didn't hear the rumors. This storyline is a bit of a mess. I hope it's over soon. I mean, I think the rumors, well, I shouldn't, I don't know, but I think it's true. There was a lot of detail. Like, it was very specific stuff, but it's just, why did Whitney bring it up? No one inserted her, and then Whitney says she's creating boundaries now and that she's always been there for Heather and Heather didn't back her up. So that's why they're not speaking. And it just seems very petty. It is. And I think she just wants the storyline. And it's that thing. They've always craved acceptance from Lisa. It's so strange. It's It's so strange. That in a sick way, I'm like, is this Whitney's way of? getting on Lisa's side and that keeps her job because it's like Teresa and Jen from Jersey. Jen knows that Teresa needs friends and if she's Teresa's friend, she's not losing her job. (laughs) So I'm just like in some sick way, is this Whitney Wild Rose's way of staying by Lisa and she secured another season? Probably. I mean, that could be. I think they're fighting about something related to the show and it's Mm -hmm. coming out in this weird concocted story. But I feel like maybe they had always behaved a certain way on camera and someone started changing or they both started changing how they behave on camera versus off camera. You know, I've heard rumblings that Heather isn't the exact same as she says she is, but I don't, that maybe that's Whitney that's telling everyone that, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Right. And yeah, I, I have no idea. Or Whitney's just doing things to stir stuff up rather than be her like true authentic self. You think she's jealous because Heather is the fan favorite? Maybe. But wouldn't she want to be closer to the fan favorite? I don't know. Sometimes you don't want to stand close to the light. I don't know. I don't know what's <laughs> her mindset. <laughs> I remember back in the day before I knew all this behind the scenes stuff, there was that argument between Jacqueline and Teresa and I can't even remember what they were arguing about. But then later on, I read an argument that I read an article that said that they were actually arguing about some deal that Teresa had gotten that Jacqueline wanted or like vice versa. And this is what the Whitney and Heather <laughs> feels like. Um, there is something that they are arguing about that has nothing to do with the show, but they have to bring it in somehow. And so somehow we're arguing about who backed each other up on rumors. Maybe the book deal. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> she got a book deal and Whitney's like, I have a story. Because if you notice, Heather has made a lot of her storyline about being Mormon. And then all of a sudden, Whitney is now focusing on not being Mormon. And like that's her whole thing of leaving the church and, you know, separating. And it's like the antithesis of everything Heather is. That's so true. Yeah. I don't know. It's just something about like Whitney doesn't feel authentic to me in this story. I do feel like she's being honest about her childhood. I'm yes. not sure if she's being honest about the timeline of when she's figured this out. Um, maybe just like, oh, now I'm going to talk about this because I'm on the show. Um, but maybe it was also happening in real time. But I very much believe her on that. What is hard is just why she's so mad at Heather for not agreeing like, oh, yeah, this is what happened. Yeah, agree. So 
Okay, well, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast this week and sharing your experiences at BravoCon and, you know, delving into the dark depths of Kyle and Kathy's sisterhood. <laughs> <with> <laughs> <me>. <laughs> um, can you tell everyone where they can find you? So you can find our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's Alter Call, a Married at First Sight podcast. And you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Alter Call M-A-F-S. That is A-L-T-A-R-C-A-L-L-M-A-F-S. Oh, thank you guys so much. And I'll have to have you back again. And we'll have to get together next time both of you are, are in the D.C. area. Yeah. Thanks for having us, Mandy. It was fun. Thanks, Mandy.